Hi folks, it's Joe here. Thanks for joining us for the second part of our episode with Annie Grace. This episode is made up mostly of lovely little bits of conversation with Annie that we couldn't quite fit into the main body of the podcast. We start off talking about a subject which I suppose has been quite high up on everyone's minds over the past 18 months and I guess that's been kind of lockdown and how we've spent it and how we've used that time and I think Annie had a really lovely and quite positive perspective on this. Yeah, let's start off by hearing that. But in actual fact, I quite enjoyed, I've, I've looked at this time as a sabbatical. Taking time out and having that, the luxury actually of, of being able to please yourself and not having, I don't know about you guys, but not having that pressure on you yeah. to go looking for work, to constantly be emailing, to wait to be, you know, you're always on edge, waiting to hear back from gigs and funding mm-hmm. and agents and and the rents to be paid. And, you know, I do. that pressure went... I must admit, I think Joe's had a slightly different experience from that point oh, of view, perhaps. What I have enjoyed over the past year, I think, is the travel stopping. Because I think pre-pandemic, I was in Glasgow at tops one or two nights a week in my mm. own flat sort of thing. But... I think it was opposite because I've, when the pandemic came in, I was working for the Federation of Scottish Theatre. And so, you know, they kind of are the, the centre support body for um, theatre, dance and opera in Scotland. And so when it was like the pandemic and it was just revealing itself to be the total shit show that it has been for the arts, it kind of, that just went totally, totally flat out. So I ended up just like kind of going pretty full time into that from my living room. <laughs> um, See, and I take my hat off to people like you that are doing the lobbying for the arts. Yeah. You know, I'm on the on the other end, just oh, the same as you, <laughs> being the basking yeah. arts, the basking performer. You know, uh, so um, thank you. Well, no, uh, I, I mean, I was I'm just literally an administrator for them. It's like you know, I, I do the minutes. And that yeah, sort but of we thing, need. To, but we, yeah, it's it's a really it's heartbreaking that there's so many things have gone under because of the pandemic, Um, you know. I've actually left that job now just because, you know, something else came along that was a kind of a wee bit of a step up in various ways. But um, that was quite exhausting about it because, you know, I was tremendously grateful to have work that felt like it was important to do and it was filling my time Mm. when it was the early COVID lockdown sort of thing, which was great because I didn't, I think I would have gone totally mad otherwise. but it was really tiring, I think, well, exhausting to see to see the effects of everything happening. Because, you know, when you're trying to gather information to do lobbying and stuff like that, you're really getting lots of first-hand stuff about how terrible the effects of yeah. <laughs> living under these restrictions has been for so yeah. many people yeah. and businesses and organisations. And Yeah. Madness. See, I count myself really fortunate that I decided to put... I, I put a positive spin on it. I had to. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I was just going to spend the whole unknown time depressed and totally worried. But yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, the, I just found that the, the not having to look for work because there was no work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and getting little dunts from the government to keep me afloat meant that I didn't have to worry. I just stopped worrying. Yeah. There was no point. Yeah, totally. I could, what was the point in worrying? That's kind of where, where I've got to as well. Every, just we like, were all in the same yeah. boat, you know. That that unknown future of and it still is unknown as to what's going to happen. Oh, actually, totally, you know, totally. Who knows? You know, learning to play the banjo and painting and walking, taking up walking, getting time <laughs> to spend walking around a city that I'd never 
had a chance to really explore before. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck the legs off myself. You should see my calf muscles. <laughs> <laughs> I look like a Highland dancer. <laughs> <laughs> my mother used to say, you have porridge spurtles <laughs> instead of legs. <laughs> but now I have porridge spurtles with a little bit of muscle on them. <laughs> and I haven't not, I've kept walking. I keep walking now. That's it's great. an obsession. Yeah, walking's been a really big thing for me in the past. Yeah year and a bit as well and I think I kind of first I foresaw what my own mental well-being would be if I had stayed in Glasgow and I basically said to my girlfriend you know when when we were living here it's like I I need to get back north I need to get to the islands (laughs) you know if we're going to be not even allowed to go to the parks because that's what they were saying at one point yeah yeah that's right and that was even when I lived here you know pre-pandemic that was like a total lifeline I kind of already struggled living in the city and I think the idea of not even being able to leave the flat was just like way too much mm-hmm. um well i think it's funny as well though is how pre-covid and stuff they might have thinking in advance that you'd have to do you'd be doing your thing in like whatever late 2019 early 2020 you'd be doing the stuff that's in front of you in the diary but your mind would be like a year plus ahead yeah, yeah. in some ways trying to fill that two weeks in march 2022 yeah i've only been noticing recently how how weird it's been that all the thinking has been much more immediate mm-hmm. um and it's kind of nice in some ways. I think it's, I like Mindful. it. I think it's a healthier way to live. It is, yeah. And I find myself just being in the moment much more now. Yeah. Because not in the old pre-pandemic days, you were always projecting, mm-hmm. always projecting, always juggling dates. What's next? What's next? Exactly. What's next? Yeah. Or what's not next? Eek! Mm-hmm. How am I going to manage? Totally. But we choose this. I often say to folk, I didn't choose this job this job chose me i didn't make a conscious decision to go well i'm going to spend my life as an impoverished actor <laughs> 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 waiting for the next gig to come in i didn't but i wouldn't do anything else well i did have a, a real job once as a community arts worker and it was rubbish having to you know be answerable to line management and mm-hmm. filling in forms and having to be at a certain place at a certain time and being being controlled, you know, when you're self-employed, yeah, you can choose what you do, mm-hmm. whether you take that job or you don't. Although most of us are very bad at saying no. no. Well, exactly. <laughs> and then going, this job's shite. Why did yeah, I say yeah. yes? Yeah. <laughs> or at least like, it's I'm short working term. back to back eight weeks and haven't scheduled myself any break. So that's exactly. Like, that's There's something. a three gig day today. Oh, God. Yeah. There's something you said much earlier on in our conversation about imposter syndrome. Oh, why? And... Yeah, I was just wondering if either of you could talk a wee bit about that and your own experiences of that because it's it can be a bit of a thing. I don't think um, it's a bit of a thing. Yeah. It's definitely a thing. It's the most yeah. realist of all the things yeah. or one of the most realist of and the I, things. I have it's definitely a thing and I wonder why we suffer from that. Is it because we're always comparing ourselves to other people? I think that's part of it. Mm. I worked with a, a wonderful director called Sophie Motley and uh, she seemed to have a lot of belief in me. And I couldn't figure out why. Mm-hmm. She kept saying, you should write that. Write that thing, Annie, that you've been talking about writing. I go, OK. And then she'd phone me up. She'd say, have you written that thing yet? I go, no. Why have you not written it? I don't know where to start. But pathetic. And she actually had me write out in lines. I have imposter syndrome. I have imposter syndrome. I have imposter syndrome. And it really helped. It was a therapy session where she said, you are capable. 
you are talented. You have mm -hmm. got the creative know-how mm -hmm. to do this. What's stopping you from doing this is yourself. You have to encourage yourself to believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I have moments of, I, I, we all get intimidated. We get intimidated by our fellow actors, our fellow musicians, yeah. our fellow creatives because we always think that they're better than we are. Yeah, of course. I'd always think that they're more confident and kind of secure. It's like 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 with you, Annie, for example, it's like you, to me, you're in my eyes, you're a very kind of confident and secure in yourself person. And so to be like, oh, I feel like an imposter yeah. some of the time. It's like that, that wouldn't even have been in my kind of field of awareness of things about you before having this conversation, you know what I mean? Yeah. We make that assumption about other performers and creative people that it's like, oh no, it's just me that is like totally feeling like an imposter in this situation and everyone else is absolutely yeah. kind of settled and secure in it and stuff like that. I think we put ourselves into situations where we test ourselves and we're aware of our own shortcomings. None of us can be 100% perfect or good at what we do. We, I, I know where my weaknesses are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when I'm taking on a, a job, whatever that job is, instead of focusing on the strengths that I have, I'll go straight to the weaknesses. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And I'll say to myself, oh my God, they'll find out that I'm not very good at chords or they'll find out that um, I can't reach that top C or, you know, mm -hmm. or that, um, you know, my, my playing isn't as good as, as it, you know. Yeah, yeah, And totally. that, then you, you sabotage yourself. Mm -hmm. That's it, yeah. It's self-sabotage yeah. all the time. And I think what we need to do collectively as creatives is all join hands in one big circle throughout the globe <laughs> and say... We're all as good as the next fucking person, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and just stop it. Yeah. But we do. We just. I, I I don't know about you guys, but I just get myself into a mindset where I, I question my ability. Totally. And that sabotages projects that I'm going to do, or stops me from engaging in something that's probably going to be really good for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm get I'm getting better at it ever since I had to write my lines out. <laughs> you should try it. Yeah. You know, um, and when you when it's like I need to have the I need to have the validation from other people in order to believe in myself, and that's not a good place to come from. Yeah. You know, we have to believe in ourselves first, and then take that out into yeah. the world. I think also something I notice is how that sort of imposter syndrome thing can limit my creativity yes you know and it's like the things that i actually want to do and the things that are really like the bright sparky things that are coming from my head i go oh i couldn't possibly do that mm -hmm. eleanor roosevelt said do one thing that scares you every day yeah, yeah mm -hmm. totally and so i true. totally subscribe to that yeah because if we didn't we would end up just putting ourselves in a box. How boring would that be? It was like the where we all met during the Book of the Hulip. Oh, play. yeah. I remember that first day and we were going around the room. I just totally bottled it. I just couldn't remember. Mm -hmm. I couldn't speak to the room. <laughs> I just said, I'm really sorry, but I can't do this. One of those go around and yeah. introduce yourselves as a whole cast. And, My least um, favourite thing in the world. Band and crew and everything. Yeah, um, yeah for a bit of context, that that, that was the Book of the Hulip was a... Um, like a piece of site-specific theatre for the Findhorn Bay Arts Festival. Arts Festival. Arts Festival. And we 
spent a month in the forest at Brodie Castle That's right. in September 2018. Um, and that was how we met you, Annie, because you were acting and playing in the show. Mm-hmm. And Charlie and I and um, our pal Queen Carter were, were the band. Um, and that was a fun old time. It was great. Was I think there? two... Two out of five of the performances were cancelled because of sideways rain. (laughs) It was was a really harsh month. (laughs) It was was a particularly grim September. I remember playing with you guys in the session and it was delightful and connected. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. go, yeah, you guys are great. It's brilliant, isn't it? When that happens, it's so lovely. Mm -hmm. Something about our music that does that when you just I remember the magic of sitting in the pub just and I'm also because I do a lot of theatre work I'm a bit deprived sometimes of working with other folk musicians just actual tunes actual tunes sitting in a pub playing for me is Mm -hmm. a wee slice of heaven these days because I hardly get a chance to do it and I miss that I, I call myself an actor but I'm still very much serving my apprenticeship Every time I do a show, I have a learning curve. And that's because I'm working with new creative people, new directors. You know, it's always, I'm always learning. So, I mean, I've been playing since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. Mm -hmm. And I've never done playing and and relearning stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you know, years ago, I remember being at a party uh, in Aberdeen in the house in Yow with Johnny Hardy from the Old Blind Dogs and Gordon Duncan, Mm -hmm. God rest him, was there. Mm And he and I were having a tune and Gordon looked at me and he went, close your sea. I said, pardon? <laughs> he said, close your sea. Mm-hmm. And I'd been playing with Iron Horse and we always played tunes so fast that only a dog could hear them. Yeah. And what I'd done, and I hadn't realised this, my fingering had got really sloppy. Yeah. So I wasn't closing my sea yeah, when yeah, I, I was playing the like sea. Like a fingering thing. Exactly. Yeah. So Gordon Duncan clocked this. And I was utterly appalled at myself for mm-hmm. making such a basic mistake and not noticing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Gordon, I remember Gordon saying to me, come to Pitlochry, let's play tunes together. Because I think he clocked that my, my fingering had just gone south. Just mm-hmm. yeah. I was, I'd got sloppy and I'd got lazy. But you know, that was the wake-up call yeah. I needed. And I remember going back home and opening up Oh, I can't remember what tune it, but it was probably a Scots Guards or, or maybe yeah. it was a Donald McLeod yeah, the tune. There, yeah. there was a, a tuning phrase, Donald McLeod tune. Oh, the... Yeah, That's exactly. But there's also the one that goes... But it's so basic. Yeah. And I took it all down and, and just went, right, Annie Grace, new canvas, and just started from scratch. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. was after 20-odd years of playing. Yeah. And took my fingering back to the basics and realised just that I hadn't been focusing I'd been taking it all for granted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'd been getting away with it because I was playing in a band. So the piping was masked mm-hmm. by the noise of the bazooki and the drums and the, you know. Yeah. And that was a really, really good exercise. And even now, to this day, I still remember Gordon Duncan, close your seat. But, mm-hmm. and so I will sit and I will just go through tuning phrases. Yeah. 
And, and I say this whenever I teach to folk, I say, you have to warm up. It doesn't matter what instrument you're using, whether it's your vocals, whether it's your pipes, whether it's your whistle, whether it's warm your fingers up. Yeah. So, yeah. Some wise words there for sure. There was one other wee story that Annie told um, about the wonderful Norman McLean that we just couldn't resist getting in. So here's that. I always remember sitting with the, the wonderful Norman McLean. Oh. Right? <laughs> and I was having lunch with him one day and we were talking about when you know there's a difficult movement coming up mm-hmm. and your brain starts to tell you that it's happening. It starts to panic, yeah. Yes, exactly. And I remember, <laughs> I remember him saying to him, he says... Ah, well, you know, he said, you'll be standing there and you'll be paying a peebrach. You'll be thinking to yourself, this is going quite well, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, there's a crown luamach coming. And, oh, <laughs> here's the crown luamach. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> oh, fuck it. <laughs> he said, and before you know what's happened, you're knee-deep in grace notes. <laughs> <laughs> and I often think, if I ever write an autobiography, it's going to be called Knee Deep in Grace Notes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> brilliant. He, you know, he lived on, he went back up and lived on Uist latterly. Mm. Um, and myself and my pal Becca Skia, she's a harp player, we played as a kind of accordion and harp duo for a while. And we kind of put this thing together to be like, like quite deliberately to like, let's just do you know, some of the weirder music that we're both into. You know, there wasn't a massive audience for harp and accordion music. I think it's a niche, certainly. For some reason, we ended up getting booked for a gig for the South East Folk Club, which, you know, I don't think it's the sort of place that that was meant for. But anyway, we were there and um, Norman was there in the audience and he was he would keep a, a like a blog. He had like a wee blog on his website at that time. And he'd, uh-huh write a wee line or two about things he'd been to see and stuff like that and um, I can't remember exactly the words but it was something like he wrote about us um, this peach skiach, a carp and accordion duo um, they were both um, very handsome and had winning smiles but I couldn't tell where one tune ended and the next began and before long I drifted into a dreamless sleep <laughs> oh no oh ow so, that's, that's sore I mean, I'm I'm delighted about it because I think he's he's such a legend. It's like to have crossed his radar in any way. I I saw him the first time I ever saw him was when the Lochaber Junior Pipe Band was playing in Clagan Park, Fort William, mm-hmm. and uh, he came on stage, and he was dressed as I think it was his Marietta Anne McLeod <laughs> character, <laughs> and it was a guy in drag. I'd never seen anything like that in my life before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was about thirteen or something. And um, he was hysterical. Yeah. And he used to just put the headscarf on <laughs> and come on stage. When I say drag, yeah. it was, a, you know, it was the Highland mm-hmm. equivalent of yeah, drag. It was say. a headscarf, <laughs> that was it. I think he might have had a penny on. And he was absolutely hysterical. And I always remember standing there listening to this guy laughing my head off. And I heard this voice behind me. And this voice said, He's terribly funny, isn't he? <laughs> and I looked around and it was the Duchess of York. Not <laughs> not Fergie. No. Is it the Duchess of York? Duchess of something. Duchess of one of the duchesses. Yeah. A queen's cousin mm-hmm. who was there opening up the games or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I said, Yeah, I was totally I mean, this was royalty, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. talking to me. 
about Norma McLean being on the stage in drag, and she was laughing about him as well. So <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. He was a writer then, was he? As well as a musician. Yeah, he was. Yep, he's, he wrote a couple of um, like autobiographies, mm-hmm. um, and he did comedy and kind of telly sort of stuff, mm-hmm. and Piper and Gaelic speaker. Gaelic he speaker. was he was the one that um, tutored Karen Matheson. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, for Gaelic and singer as well. Singer. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, he was just an all round. He was a genius, actually. Mm-hmm. He was very good at everything. So it's Owen here, uh, producer for the Taking Note podcast. Um, I just wanted to jump in here for the last episode of the series. Just ask uh, Joe and Charlie a few questions about how, just how making the podcast uh, felt and, and, and what they've learned uh, and, and little Maybe some hidden details that we'll find out about the podcast. So, uh, well, thanks for 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 having me join you um, <laughs> uh, on this project. It's been it's been a load of fun. Um, I just first of all, what what to ask? Like, what, what, like when did you come up with the idea for, for for making the podcast? I think it was actually in the tail end of two thousand and nineteen. And we were talking about what we might do next. Our previous project had been an album and a film called Air Immel, um, which the film followed us on a week-long voyage in a tall ship and doing a concert in St Kilda, which is probably the most remote part of the UK. It's an uninhabited island quite deep in the North Atlantic. And so, yeah, we were kind of just talking about what to do next. And I think we've always really enjoyed collaborating with other musicians you know as a duo and we've done that quite a lot over over the time I suppose and I guess it was about trying to do something which built on that but also you know so many amazing things can happen in the process of collaboration with another artist as much as in the end result and so it was also about how do we how do we capture that and how do we maybe let people behind that door a little bit and so I guess that's where the idea was born. Brilliant. Um, it's 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 obviously uh, it's such a great pairing actually that the, the fiddle and and piano fit into so many different styles of music. So it's a it's almost the perfect uh, setup for doing this sort of series, this collaboration thing, because you can almost throw anything at it uh, at the what, what you guys have already, um, and you'll get something new out of it, and it'll it'll work because they're two very expressive, can be very delicate and can be very also super loud in in your face instruments. So, um, no, it's 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 a great idea, and um, the Air Immel project as well. What 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 a lovely thing! Yeah, I've seen it a couple of times now, and um, yeah, really really enjoyed that. Um, when when you were making the podcast, what did you find like the most challenging thing about it, Charlie? Why don't Why don't you tell me um, what what you thought was the most challenging thing about making the podcast? Well, I think definitely listening to your own voice is a <laughs> is a hard bit, and I think yeah, it was something enough. that myself and Joseph talked about quite a lot before doing this. You know, you you do a lot of radio and these sorts of things as a as a performer, and it's always very difficult listening back to yourself. So. I think that was a big challenge for us both, but it's been a really nice journey for me personally on that front, just to to find a bit of confidence and to use your use your voice as a as a performative tool essentially. Yeah, it's good. It's good to get yourself out of that sort of comfort zone. 
Uh, and this is actually quite a nice way to do it because if you make a mistake, you just can re-record it. That's great. There's been a lot of that as yeah. making the series has gone on. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, it's brilliant. Uh, looking ahead, how do you think this podcast will evolve as time goes on? Do you think you'll do another series or would you do something slightly different? What are you hoping to do in the future? Well, you go. I think probably what we're going to do next is maybe work on some sort of um, compilation album of all the tracks we've made with the with our guests. Because although those are all out there now in, in amongst all of these podcast episodes, I think it would be quite a nice thing maybe to offer that as something that... Offer that. I think it would be quite a nice thing to offer that music in the same way as more traditional releases like albums and stuff like that. So I think that's first on the list. And then going forward, we're still kind of discussing plans of what to do. I think instead of doing another quite concentrated series in the way that this one has been, we'll maybe produce one-off episodes Sure. On a more uh, ongoing basis. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think that would be fantastic. Album would be great as well, actually. Be, like, I actually really like all the pieces that have been created uh, during this podcast, but, you know, and it's all it's all very raw, isn't it? And it's in the room, and that's actually, that's quite nice. A lot of people, I don't think, get to listen to that sort of stage of music. Like, you can go and see live gigs, and that's really raw, but it's normally pretty polished, depending on what you're going to go see, obviously. But it's nice to kind of hear music, like the sort of um, behind the scenes of making music, actually. And I suppose that's what a lot of this podcast is about. So um, I think I think people will be pleased to know that there's going to be some continuation as well. I think it's it's also something I find very interesting from working with yourself, Joseph, over the years. Is with every idea we come up with, it grows grows arms and legs. And you know, this started off the very simple idea of oh we'll maybe have some conversations in the car and record that to this you know mm. and so we don't really know what will happen next basically that's great you'll find out you'll just Absolutely. have to find out that's it <laughs> that's good it's good to have a vague plan though isn't it you know it's nice to work towards something so i guess that's a wrap then charlie absolutely and it's it's been a it's been a wonderful project to work on with you, Joseph. Yeah, likewise, man. I think it's really it's really evolved the idea from the initial idea to what we've ended up with. But that's great. I think we've ended up with something that I'm really, really pretty happy with and quite proud of. I am too. So this is the end of this chapter of the podcast series. Um, but I'm really looking forward to seeing where we go next. Absolutely. I guess we've got a few kind of beginnings of ideas of where we're going to take it so it'll be fun to kind of just keep developing those over the next few months and we'll be back with more soon please do also consider um supporting charlie and i in the creation of future work by subscribing to us on bandcamp more information about what that entails and what what you may get from it is available on our website cgjpmusic.com bye for now Thank you.